brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. The views given on the following program are not necessarily the views of this station management or staff. Since individual situations can and will be different, please remember this when exercising any options presented by our guests. This is Money Talks with Capstone Wealth Management. Bringing life back into balance with a more thoughtful approach to wealth management. Now, from Capstone Wealth Management, here's Chris Klein on the big 1070, 1070 AM and 100.9 FM. All right, I am Mike Pilch along with Chris Klein of Capstone Wealth Management, taking it through the week that was the world of finance, giving the best advice there is for investors. As we're deep into the month of March now, I am Mike Pilch along with Chris Klein of Capstone Wealth Management. Now, there's a number of ways you can get in contact with them to talk about setting up plans for your financial future, paying off debt, whatever the situation may be, maybe even home ownership information. You can call his office at 866-596-9886. That's 866-596-9886. You can email him info at careformywealth.com. That's info at careformywealth.com. And check him out on Twitter at care for my wealth i am at md pilch welcome to your own program chris hey good morning how are you today can't complain can't complain and it's a fun time of year with the ncaa basketball tournament here and then when that's done baseball opens so this is a kind of a and, and that just means weather's going to get better so, that's so are, your, a, are your brackets blown up already doing okay i've never done overly well in the tournament there was once i did do a bracket challenge with a lot of people i won it and got about i don't know what i got seven or eight hundred dollars for it good for you there were a lot of people that were in that thing and i won it that was back in 2011 when kentucky won the title over kansas i had the final four right i had the elite eight right and i had every winner in the elite eight and the final four so I've yeah. given up playing. I, I never even get past the first day. So I, I usually do there. well going. My... I do well going into the Sweet Sixteen, and once the Sweet Sixteen hits, which is uh, next weekend, that's kind of where I. That's kind of your make or break time is getting past it's, that. I, I fill out my brackets like a wrestler, so I don't know if that tells you anything. <laughs> you do you pick teams based on how pretty their uniforms are, Chris? Yeah, I'm not a basketball player, so I know nothing about who's good and who's not, and I just kind of start throwing people down and 
next. <laughs> All right. Well, you do know a lot about money and finance and investments, and that's, of course, the focus of our show. A lot to get to today, as there always is. I got good news for you that nobody else cares about. I did pay off a credit card today that I had had, I think, for 10 or 12 years. And you're going to slap me in the face for this, but I almost, for a while there, forgot I had it. Made oh, pay- no. Yeah, made payments on it and got caught up. And, uh, well, when I say I forgot I had it, I didn't forget I had it, but there was like a little while there for a few months where I did. Hey, but, Mike, you know what? You're not alone on that. Yeah, how gar- often do I, people do that? I will guarantee you that if I lined up 10 average people, I would say at least three to five of them have done the same thing either sometime in their life or are currently doing it. Yeah. And, and I mean, I don't know, it doesn't take you long to see some of the news articles that hit that give you the indication that that's true. I mean, there's a, there was an article in, in Money uh, magazine here, I think on the 14th of the month, and the headline was, One in three Americans have saved zero for retirement. Yeah, yeah. I mean, zero. Mike, think about that for just a minute. Zero. I've read it, some articles like that recently. I have. It, it just blows my mind the degree to which people seem to be willing to, well, I guess, rely on Social Security or lottery or, shoot, yeah. I don't know what. But, you know, and then there was another article that CNBC put out, and its headline was something like 65% of Americans um you know, have very little, if nothing, in retirement. And, you know, this dovetails back to our show that we did last week where we discussed a little bit about the problem in today's society and today's culture as it relates to saving for themselves in retirement. You know, and I think you hit on it with, with, with your revelation that you shared a couple of moments ago and that you almost forgot about this, this thing, mm-hmm. you know, Finance and financial planning and money. I mean, for the most part, first of all, this stuff is just not taught very deeply in school. You know, it's, it's not getting a little bit better in some places, but it's it's really just not focused on. No, not unless you take college courses on it. it. Right, right. And so, if it's not something that is consistently communicated as, "Hey, this is a big deal. This is important." Well, then it's going to be really easy to get it out of sight and out of mind. You know, and mm. then on top of that. If you choose to not live your life in some form of a financial plan, now that doesn't mean you have to be a strict budgetista. It doesn't mean that you have to just live your life on paper no matter what happens. I'm not deviating from this sort of thing. That's not what we're saying. What we're saying is, is that if you have a written plan, at least you have some guidelines chirping at you in the back of your mind that help you stay on path. And, and with us, what we do is we have this stuff built online. You know, so... Our clients have a secure portal that has their planning platform put in place. And from there, all of your accounts are tied into it. If you have credit cards, you can tie those into it. So what it becomes is this, it's this silent pathway to help you keep track of what's going on. Now, if you had your entire financial life logged into this thing, are you going to forget about the fact that you got a credit card somewhere with 600 bucks on it? No, it's going to show up on your front page of your planning platform. Hmm. You're going to open it up, look at it, and go, oh, shoot, that's right. i got to get rid of that. And that would have been handy or, for me because there was a point in time, I'm, I'm telling you, I basically kind of forgot about it for a few months. So that would have been nice. Well, you know, it's those little kinds of things. And then, of course, for so many people, it's just starting somewhere. It's, and, and for many, just starting small. And in some cases, regardless of where you happen to be in life, you know, you can't get to where you want to go if you don't start, right? I know that sounds stupid, but that that's kind of the, the bottom line. And there are so many people I have run into where they have said, well, you know, it's just not a good time. I've got, you know, kids are getting braces on or, oh, shoot, I've got, you know, my dad's in a nursing home and I'm just too busy. And, hey, Mike, you know what? We can all come up with a bajillion excuses as to why not to put money away because we're not going to have, you know, spending access to it. And, uh, you know, it's a sad state of affairs, but it, it something has to change. And I don't know what it's going to take for people to wake up and recognize that if you don't take an active participant role 
in your financial future, then you're never going to get to where you want to go. Now, you know, when you say put... on Social Security, it, I think Social Security is going to be there. I've said it a million yeah. times. People ask me all the time, do you think Social Security is going to go bust? Do you think they're going to take it away from us? Do you, you know, all these, these questions. And, and I always respond with, no, I think it's going to be there. I, I think that Social Security is not something that we're going to lose in our lifetime. But at the same time, it's a, you know, in the same breath, I do think that it would be very easy for them to increase the full retirement age from, you know, 67 to, say, 70, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, more and more people are living longer, and when they built Social Security, the life expectancy, I think, was 65. <laughs> wow. So at that time, yeah, when they put it in place a long time ago, the expectation was, hey, guess what? You're going to pay into this thing for a really long time, and you're not going to collect much because you're going to die, right? Right, right. Well, that's totally changed. Everybody's living so much longer and, and ostensibly with much more health than, than certainly what they used to. So they've raised the retirement age a couple of times. It just wouldn't be hard for them to change that element of it. So they're not taking it away from you, but they're taking it away from you, if that makes any sense. No, I totally know right? what you mean. I totally know what you mean. Now, when you say put away money, what you're referring to is essentially investing it somehow, not necessarily just sitting on a savings account, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, taking advantage of the retirement opportunities that you might have in front of you. You know, if you work for an employer that has an employer-sponsored plan, find out about it. Learn about it. Actively become a participant in that plan. Here's another one. There's instances where I've had calls from employees saying, hey, my employer doesn't offer a retirement plan. What can I do? Well, shoot, there's lots of things you can do. You can open an IRA. You can open a Roth IRA. Sometimes that employee has a little side business that they're making a little money on. Well, we can open a retirement plan under that business for you personally. Sometimes, and I've suggested this a few instances with some employees, is to go back and ask your employer if they'd like to have a conversation about opening a, a retirement plan that could generate opportunities for the business to retain better employees, uh, create for the owner of the business an opportunity to save substantial amounts of money. And sometimes that employer says, yeah, I'd love to learn more. And, you know, we sit down and have a conversation, and the next thing you know, they got a a plan. And the employee gets to be a part of it. So doing nothing is just not an option. And you're right, throwing money in a bank at 0% interest is not likely going to get you where you need to be, you know, in terms of your goals and objectives. And unfortunately, you know, when you talk about markets, there are so many times when people have become fearful of markets because they get in right when there's starting to become a sea change, right? Mm-hmm. And, and there certainly is some market behavior that suggests that there are some changes that are happening. But that shouldn't deter someone from being a consistent investor, especially if you're just starting out, you know, and you're in your 20s or 30s, or even 40s, or shoot, even 50s, right? Someone who says, well, I'm in my 50s, and I'm going to, you know, work for another 15 years. Well, 15 years is a long time. Yes. But you have to know where you're going to be able to find out how to, how to best get there. So what we would say is it, you need to engage in some degree of goal setting and planning. Now, is it exciting? No. It's pretty boring, (laughs) but when you put this stuff in place, it's so easy to get a track to run on, and then every single quarter and, you know, every single year, you can just kind of look at the headway that you're making. You can check and see whether or not you've gotten off course for one reason or another. I mean, I get things happen, you know. Health sometimes changes. Sometimes your family structure changes, and you need to maybe back off a little bit on the degree of, or the amount of how much you've been putting away or whatever. Right? But if you have somebody to help guide you through that stuff, they'll make sure that you don't quit. Mm-hmm. That, and that's the key. Don't quit. And, and don't lose track of credit cards when they happen to be out there. Either. That's what I'm here for. I publicly talk about my screw-ups, my epic screw-ups, so other people don't do it. That's the way it works. I I put myself out there. More on this on the other side. Also, Chris says there appears to be a change in market behavior, and I do not find that surprising. He is Chris Klein. I am Mike Pilch. This is Buddy Talks with Capstone Wealth Management. 
This is Money Talks with Capstone Wealth Management along with Chris Klein. I am Mike Pilch, taking it through the week that was of the world of finance, giving the best advice there is for investors. Now, to get in contact with Chris to talk about your financial future, setting up a retirement plan, maybe, you know, should you pay off school loans and credit cards before you start investing? What about home ownership? There's all kinds of directions you can go. To get in contact with them, it's 866-596-9886. That's 866-596-9886. You can email them those questions, info at careformywealth.com. That's info at careformywealth.com. Check them out on Twitter at careformywealth.im at MD Pilch. And uh, your first meeting with Chris, of course, just a chance to kick the tires. No fee involved or anything else. He is fee-only financial advisory service. And uh, your website, Chris, you've got, we, we haven't talked about it much, mentioned a little bit in that first segment, but all the kind of do-it-yourself platforms you have on there to figure out if your portfolio fits you. Yeah, there, there is a, a do-it-yourself process that's on there. You can, you can log in and um, check whether or not your portfolio is consistent with the way that you feel that you should be positioned for risk, you know, and I mean, we can drill down some really, really specific things with just a little bit of information um, that if you wanted to share it, we could we could plug it all in and send you back a, a report. Um, but if you just wanted to check and see what risk looks like for you, then go ahead and do that, and it'll give you a good bit of feedback. Um, the next step after that, of course, would be to see whether or not your portfolio matches it. If it doesn't, well... Our <laughs> our experience is, is that if you're investing in a manner that's not consistent with the way you view risk, there's going to be a problem, right? I mean, if you're in, if you're investing highly aggressively and you're not an aggressive person, mm-hmm. and and you're doing it on your own, well, chances are really really good that something's going to scare you out at the wrong time, right? Or something's going to suck you in at the wrong time as as it might be. Yeah. But oddly enough, there are lots of people who have missed a lot of the, the markets run over the past several years. So, um, yeah, there's some tools on there that I think that would be useful for people. And, uh, you know, they're anonymous. I mean, <laughs> we know that you went on to it, and the only thing that we see is an email. Um, and we usually reply with, just want to make sure you got your report. If you didn't, let us know. Uh, if you need more information, let us know. We'll, we'll help you out with it. You know, I mentioned that I had paid off that credit card. Now, I mentioned I went a little while where I almost forgot about it. That was years ago when that happened, uh, a few years ago. But let's compare now to, say, the mid-'90s. Do you think, because you mentioned that you think a lot of people do that, do you think more people do it now in this short attention span generation than they did, say, 20 years ago? Or do you have any way to guess that? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know that I have any, I certainly don't have any empirical evidence that, yeah. would, uh, you know, that would, would tell us one way or the other uh, other than anecdotal evidence of conversations that have taken place and um you know sometimes we have situations with a client where a spouse passes away and uh they didn't know of certain things that were happening and then all of a sudden they ended up getting discovered as the estate was getting settled mm-hmm. um you know so for us because we have the opportunity to see so many things and we can only help someone when we know it exists. <laughs> True. You know, kind of like a doctor. They, they're, they're, they're only going to be able to help diagnose something if they tell you where it hurts. Mm-hmm. You know, and same kind of scenario. You know, you, you need to understand um, as much about someone as you can, you know, to, to really get them to where they need to be. And I'll tell you, Mike, it, the world is a complex place, especially these days when it comes to money. But at the same time, there's a lot of simplicity. And I know that might sound duplicative or, you know, might sound that I'm, con- that I'm, I'm contradicting myself, but you know, taxes are complex. The inner workings and all the details of markets are complex. Um, calculating the ways in which you can identify the probability of, of retirement through Monte Carlo simulations and all that sort of stuff is complex. But at the end of the day, retirement planning is simple. It's outline a goal and then figure out the quickest, easiest path to get you to that goal. Simple, you know, but so many people don't start. So 
what we're attempting to do is just trying to get everyone to recognize that that while markets are certainly volatile, you know, and that's one of the things that we've seen. You know, you talked about at the uh, you know at the end of last segment that it, it appears to be um, some changes happening in, in just market behavior. And and what we mean by that is that for the longest time we were in a bear market for volatility, meaning there wasn't any. Volatility was non-existent for a really, really long time. And so when you look at volatility indicators, they just kept going down like a stock in a bear market. And in fact, there's a, a gentleman last name Gundlich that had a, a, a research seminar not too long ago, and he made the comment that every single volatility indicator, every indicator reading that exists today for volatility is higher in 2018 than every volatility indicator reading in 2017. And so in February, when we had this massive, massive change in volatility and an implosion of what's called short volatility, people that were betting against volatility going up, right. <laughs> When you look at a chart of volatility, what you see to us is a sea change. You see what looks like a stock that was in a rabid, rabid bear market now all of a sudden appearing like it's in a bull market. And so we've gone from what we believe to be a bear in volatility to a bull in volatility. And the average investor is not going to like to hear that, Mike. You know, what do investors not like? Bumpiness. Right? Yeah, that and uncertainty, which is bumpiness, sure. Yeah, uncertainty. You know, the, I'll tell you, back to the planning element for just a minute, uncertainty gets minimized when you at least have a plan in place. Right? True, yes, you know, absolutely. And, and, and when you have some ideas as to where you need to be headed to satisfy your retirement needs and, and expectations and hopes and dreams, too. I mean, hey, let's face it, we only have this one life to be able to enjoy, so you better plan for it at least to some degree as best as you can so that you can enjoy it. it. You know, so right now we've seen this sea change in volatility, and there's going to be a lot of investors that are really, really, really not going to like that. Most investors, most people who, especially the do-it-yourself crowd, most investors are trend followers. Mm-hmm. They, they simply, and, and for the longest time, Mike, they've plugged in a, a sum of money and rang the bell and they got rewarded. Put in the money, rang the bell, and got rewarded. And so, you know, you, you get as an investor who might not be a pro gets conditioned that well, if I put money in, I make money. I put money in, I make money. So I'm going to keep putting money in. Something right? tells me you're about to tell me the trend might no longer be our friend, though. Well, you're right. I, I'm not so sure that the trend is your friend. I, 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 I'm, you know, and we continue to do more and more research on this, but it is appearing that we have shifted from a trend is your friend kind of an environment to a revert-to-the-mean kind of environment. Now, with that said, reversion-to-the-mean isn't necessarily a bad thing dependent upon the length of time that you're using for your analysis. And when you look at markets, it's pretty clear that when you look at the mean or the average of market returns over a long period of time, right now we're trading above that level, right? We're trading above that line. And so if, in fact, we decide that this is a return-to-the-mean kind of, of environment, what that's going to suggest is that the average trend follower, who are all the passive index players, by the way, you know, and we've talked before how many people have become these passive index players. The passive index players are the ones who we think are taking sizable amounts of risk right now, hmm by just being a trend follower, because if we do get into a real reversion to the mean kind of an environment, it's those kinds of indexes that, you know, that, uh, you know, that are going to get hurt. So um, what does that mean? Well, it means that, one, you have to have a plan. You can't just throw the money in, ring the bell, and expect to make the money anymore. Mike, look at it this way. Stock markets actually are supposed to be hard. <laughs> yes. I mean, well, if stock markets were super easy all the time, everybody would always do it, and they'd always make money no matter what. That would be true, yes. The problem is is that when some strategy starts to work, more and more people pile into it. And then at some point, that strategy becomes overloaded, and it tips over. And then all of a sudden, it doesn't work. And so 
you know, I heard a, I heard a guy use the phrase non-stationarity, and I thought, man, that's an awesome term. Non-stationarity is simply a game where the rules change over time. Now, most people don't like to play a game where the rules keep changing on them, right? Well, guess what? That's the stock market. The stock market is the king of non-stationarity. Rules change through time. The problem is, is that if you've become accustomed to simply throwing the money in, ringing the bell, and making the money, and you continue to do that without a plan, that's where markets hurt you. So we don't know when or where the next market correction is going to come from. There are some. There's a guy by the name of Jeremy Grantham, who's a co-founder of a company called Grantham Mayo Van Otterloo. Now, this mm-hmm. place is huge. These guys manage like $70 billion in assets, and I think, I'd have to check, but I think you have to have $25 million to open an account. That is insane. <laughs> there are a lot of very affluent people yeah. walking. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match, with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply this planet, but they cater to the institutions, you know, so yeah. oftentimes a, a pension plan or a private family office or something like that, they'll, they'll open an account. But the point is, is that they only deal with really, really big money. And, you know, they've, uh, Mr. Grantham has commented recently that he doesn't believe that the stock market's in a bubble. He just believes that we're in an environment where the market is, is reasonably only, overly priced but it's getting back into condition simply by seeing earnings tick up the way that they have. But what he's expecting, now this is a guy who, <laughs> this is a guy who rightly called the 2000 bear market and the 2008 bear market. And in each of those instances, surprisingly enough, they lost considerable amounts of clients because they were early in getting out, right? Mm, yeah. I've read some, I, <laughs> I've read some interviews with him fairly recently, and they, and they make me laugh because, you know, he talks about how in, in 1999 he was seeing instances where, where clients were just giddy. And the fact that they were sitting in cash expecting some degree of cataclysm made everybody nuts, and they lost tons of people because it, it was like they were – it was like they had wandered off path, and, and these people were, were arguing with their investment managers, why are you having me in cash when everybody else is making so much money? Some of that exists today. You know, you, you try to take a, a more risk-adjusted, risk-averse approach or do things that are outside of what the norm is. And what's the norm? Throw everything in an index fund. 
because that's what everybody's doing and that's what everybody is supposed to make money on. Well, you know what? Up until perhaps recently, that has been true. And, and we just think that there is this sea change that, that might, in fact, start to already be on us. We won't know until the next swiftness of, uh, of corrections comes, and, and you know, certainly you want to try and get preempted from it. But when you get a downswing that takes just three days to take you down 10%, that's tough to, that's mm-hmm. tough to avoid. Sure. <laughs> that's tough to avoid. Now, there are some theorists. Um, one of them is called the Elliott Wave Theory. Right, and and there are some theorists who are saying that where we are right now is very very similar to two previous instances in historical context that would not make an average index investor really very happy at all. I tell you what, we'll get to that on the other side, and I also want you to tell us again with detail on why this coming Wednesday is going to be really really important. We will. Yeah, we'll get into that later, too. He is Chris Klein. I am Mike Pilch. And this is Muddy Talks with Capstone Wealth Management. This is Muddy Talks with Capstone Wealth Management. He is Chris Klein. I am Mike Pilch. Taking it through the week that was the world of finance and give it the best advice you can find if you're an investor. 866-596-9886 is the phone number. That's 866-596-9886. If you want to get in contact with Chris and talk about planning for your financial future, you can also do that by emailing him info at careformywealth.com. That's info at careformywealth.com. You can find him on Twitter at careformywealth. I am at MD Pilch. Now, talking about how there's maybe some change in market behavior, trend followers going to mean reversions and what that means. But you also left last segment with, uh, I guess, two instances where in the past things didn't really happen in a good way. And those could be coming around the corner. Is that kind of what you were getting at? Well, of course, you never know. I mean, one of the things that we know is uh, is true is that markets never necessarily repeat, but they as we've said a million times, they have right. They have a tendency to rhyme, right? And and so it, it, basically, here's the setup: stocks go through a you know fairly quick correction, they experience a bounce back, and then they take out the previous lows and then experience a waterfall decline. I mean, mm. a fall out of bed, kaboom sort of deal. Right, right. right. <clears throat> what has been found is that the period of time from the bounce back high to the new low was seven days, right? And there's two major instances, excuse, yeah, yeah, two major instances that have been found. There's a guy by the name of Stephen Vanelli who's a chartered financial analyst uh, for a company called Knowledge Leaders Capital. Mm-hmm. a couple of historical precedents that are very compelling. And, and one of them was 1929, and this is related to the S&P 500. And so what you found with, with both of these instances is that when you look back to, say, the 29 crash, mm-hmm. you had a scenario where the S&P 500 peaked in September, and then over the next 14 days, the index experienced about a 10% correction. And then over the next four days, stocks bounced back by about 7.5%. And then they experienced this seven-day period of time where stocks just kind of drifted lower. And then everyone remembers what happened on October 18, 1929, when the previous low was broken and all heck broke loose. Right, right. right. And back then, the decline from October 8th, 1929 to November 13th, 1929 uh, was a 22-day waterfall decline where stocks dropped about 43%, Ooh, right? It was, I mean, yeah, it was substantial. It's amazing. And it happened very, very fast. In 1987, interestingly enough, that particular crash was remarkably similar to, to what they saw at that particular instance that I just explained. Back then, you had a scenario where stocks peaked in August of 1987, towards the end of August, 
And then they began about a 75 to 8% decline over about 18 days. Stocks rebounded by about 5 to 6% over the next 10 days, where they peaked on October 5th, 1987. And then over the next seven days, stocks started lower. That low failed. And then you got a waterfall decline. And it was about 28.5% over four days, which culminated with the low set on the infamous day of October 19th, right? That ultimately was the low, by the way, when, when the Dow was down, what was it, 21% in one day or something yeah, like that? Yeah, right, yep. I mean, that happened so fast, nobody could really, you know, respond to it. Which was deal with it. comical when the Dow was down so significantly a couple of weeks ago, yet it was down only 3 or 4%. So that right. puts it in perspective for you a little bit. <laughs> right. Could you imagine what would happen to the average investor when they would see the Dow Jones Industrial Average off by 20%. I mean, when it's at 25,000 and you're down 20% and you see the Dow off 5,000 points, I mean... No, I can't imagine what that was like. People thought their life was coming to an end, and I'm sure we've got listeners right now that remember that, so... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, they use the term blood in the streets, and, and that's absolutely true. You know, if if you're calm and cool-headed enough to have taken advantage of that, it was a once-in-a-lifetime buying opportunity. <laughs> so, so, you know, people are using that history, I think, and finding themselves going through these these processes where when markets go through any type of a, of a, of a massive short-term decline, they, they bounce in and buy again. But... So, all right, we've talked about 29, we talked about 87. What do we have right now? Well, in the past 40 days, what we've seen is the S&P 500 peak out at about 28.72, and that was towards the end of January. Then what we experienced was about a 10% correction over nine days. Since that time, we've bounced back about 8%, right? And that, by the way, that was like a couple Fridays ago that we kind of hit that, uh, that high. Right. But now we're in this seven-day window where we believe stocks need to hold up. And, and that's one of the things that, that this particular analyst, Mr. Vanelli, pointed out is that, you know, the next seven days, we can drift lower. That's okay. But what we can't have happen is take out the low that was set on February the 8th. So on the S&P 500, the low that was set on February the 8th was 2,581. What he's saying and I think it's supported by enough relevant history, is that if markets took that out, many people might treat it as an opportunity to buy, but history would suggest that it's the time to get out of the way. Hmm. Now, <clears throat> let me follow it up to say that we have, as you know, three major indicators that we have at our firm that we've built on a proprietary basis that are the, quote, get-out-of-dodge indicators. Right? We call them the escape hat zone one and two and the UW index. None of these three indicators have shown us or told us at this point that this scenario is going to play out. Mm -hmm. What's uncomfortable is when you look at a 1929 chart and you look at a 1987 chart and you look at a 2018 chart, they all look fairly similar prior to that waterfall event. And, and that's what gets, I think, people uncomfortable. Now, there were some different things happening, obviously, from 1929 you know, into 1987, but at the same time, there were some similarities. So it's like we said, it, there's never going to be an instance where everything is exactly the same or that it lines up 100%. It, there are going to be rhyming clues mm -hmm. that give you an indication, hey, something's not right here. So... What we're saying is that Wednesday, March 21st, is a fairly important day that if we can hold up above, at the very minimum, that low of 2581, which right now, most people looking at markets would say, you know, good grief, we're trading at like, you know, 20, what is, 2800 on the S&P. I mean, people look at that and say, you mean to tell me we're, we would drop to, you know, 2500? Mm -hmm. Oh, that's not going to happen. No way. Well, Okay. It, it may not, and, and it, it, may, it may not uh, um, ever happen, and um, <laughs> we hope that it doesn't. All we're saying is, is that I think that his analysis as it relates to those two in instances in history having 
some very, very uh, uh, interesting correlations to what we're experiencing right now are enough to pay attention to, mm-hmm. right? So we're paying attention to it, and we're following it up with watching very carefully with our indicators that help us to identify, you know, how best to be in. I can tell you this, Mike, when you start to look at at individual companies that are trading in the market right now, right, um, one of the things that we're seeing is that if a company misses earnings, they're completely being brutalized. There is yeah. no reprieve for them. They just get pounded. Why weren't you as good as you were supposed to be? What's wrong with you? Yeah, yeah. And it's happening to companies that are beating on their earnings numbers, but maybe missing on a revenue number by a few million bucks. Now, to the average person, obviously, to hear that they missed revenue by a few million bucks is like, holy smokes, that's a lot. Well, you know, yeah, but if you're talking a billion dollars a quarter in revenue and you miss it by a few million or even a, a few tens of millions, who cares? Right. Is it that really big of a deal? Is there something different about that company today to quantify it being off 5, 10, 15, 30% in one day compared to where they were the day before? doesn't matter. You know? and, and these are the kinds of characteristics that you start to pay attention to when you're experiencing the possibility of a bit of a sea change in the way in which markets are behaving doesn't mean that there's not an opportunity to make money. It doesn't mean that this market doesn't continue to just spike to the upside. It very well could. And, in fact, the interview recently with uh, Jeremy Grantham at uh, Grantham Mayo Van Adelu, he talked about that. He said, look, we don't think that we're in a bubble, but at the same time, we certainly would not be surprised by the market going through some degree of a melt-up, right, or right. a, a blow-off top. He only gives that likelihood at about 40% right now. And, and he he identifies previous bubbles where what you would see is like a 60% gain like in the last 20 to 24 months of the market. And, and you know, he talks about how, you know, hey, it was really happening. In January, we were getting these animal spirits, these speculative spirits just really coming out of the woodwork, and markets were just cranking to the upside. And he pointed out that, hey, another month or two of that, the S&P could have easily reached 33 to 3,700, which on the S&P 500 would have been about a 60% gain in 20 to 21 months. That would have been, in his definition, a blow-off top. Obviously, we didn't get it because we had the correction that took place in the beginning of February to put things, you know, more back in perspective. And so now we have a market that is getting, while still overpriced, it's getting more reasonably priced because companies are still announcing good earnings and, Markets are not just rocketing to the upside. Yeah, we've got all the talk of trade war stuff and inflation and interest rates and and all this stuff. But for the most part, we think most of that's noise, right? That's stuff that we think is just going to take, you know, people's eyes off of what matters. So here you've got a guy that says, probably don't see a massive melt-up in markets, but at the same time, he says, we wouldn't be surprised that over the next five years, markets just kind of trickle to the downside 15%, mm. even though earnings are doing good. And what is that? And he says, well, what that does is it brings the P.E. ratios back to a level where people are comfortable to invest again, right? So is that going to happen? Well, that would play into our analysis and, and potential hypothesis of going from a... A, 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 an environment of trend following to mean reversion, right? If we go to mean reversion, well, certainly that's what you would expect to see, just this kind of trickling effect. But there's still money to be made as long as your analytics are correct and as long sure. as you're in the right spot. The trend followers and the indexes are the ones who would have the problem with this. And so, you know, that's why we think, you know, the past couple of years for major professional players have been difficult market environments. Major hedge fund players have been struggling to even keep up to the market, much less beat it. it, it this is not an isolated incident. Like this is, this is stuff that has gone on with some of the biggest, wealthiest firms on Wall Street, where they've struggled to even keep up with markets, much less beat them. Hmm. That, that's not typical. Well, I tell you, <laughs> I know one thing, Chris. Jeremy Grantham is a pretty much 
a self-made billionaire investor. So when he speaks, oh, yeah. when he speaks or Warren Buffett speaks, I listen. Yeah, well, you have to. You know, that's why for us, we you know we read analysis from these people, and and there are some up and coming guys that are I think very very good in their analytics too. A guy by the name of Jared Dillon is very good. Uh, there's some older fellows like Jeremy Grantham that's very good. Uh, there are some other analysts and economists like John Malden that's very, very good. You know, what you have to be careful with when reading any of these people, though, because I know a lot of our listeners will go out and read a lot of other people's analysis and perspectives. What you have to be careful of is is missing whether or not any one of these analysts are either per- perma-bears or perma-bulls. Right, right. I get are they that, always yeah. bullish or are they always bearish, right? Because if they are, they're going to be right at least somewhere. Right. And well, yeah. Those are the those are the kinds of people you you have to be careful of and you have to avoid. I, we work really really hard to be. You know, I guess we would try to view ourselves as neutral players, meaning we want to be bullish when it's right to be bullish, and we want to be bearish when it's smart to be bearish. The issue, of course, is that markets over long lengths of time have been bullish longer than they've been bearish, and they're bullish longer than they're bearish. Right. I get that, yeah. You know what I mean? So we're not at a point where we're bearish yet. We're just saying that the technique with which you have to attack the market is shifting. And for those clients that we've been blessed to work for, we have been actively, since the beginning of this corrective phase in February, making a shift in the strategy that we attack the market with. And for those who are are just attacking it with put the money in, ring the bell, hey, I made money, put the money in, ring the bell, hey, I made money, I, I'm fearful for those people that they've taken their eyes off the bubble and and are now in a position where they won't understand the next strategy to use. Because the time that you get comfortable with your strategy because it always works will be the time that it doesn't work anymore. Absolutely. All right, we're going to have one more segment to wrap things up. Chris will give his final thoughts. Tell us why Wednesday, this coming Wednesday, is a big deal. He is Chris Klein. I am Mike Pilch, and this is Muddy Talks with Capstone Wealth Management. With Chris Klein, I am Mike Pilch. This is Muddy Talks with Capstone Wealth Management. If you ever want to get in contact with Chris to start talking about your financial future, there's a number of ways you can get in contact with him. 866-596-9886 is the phone number. That's 866-596-9886. You can also send him emails. Info at careformywealth.com. That's info at careformywealth.com. Chris, why is this coming Wednesday important? Well, so the analysis that has been done, and again, there's a group by the name of Knowledge Leaders Capital, and there's a CFA in that group by the name of Vanelli, who has identified two instances that look very, very similar to what we're experiencing right now. And one was 1929 and one was 1987. And the trigger was that after we had a correction of about 10% or so in each of those instances, and then a jump back up to or near the, the, the previous highs, um, markets over the next seven days in both 1929 and in 1987 drifted lower until they took out the previous low. So mm-hmm. in our instance, right now, 2018, what that would mean was the low that was set on the S&P 500 on February the 8th, which was set in at 2581. I think that's the number, right? Uh, yeah, that sounds uh, right. Uh, yeah, They found... So 25.81, and and so if we look back at 29 and 87, what 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 uh, next Wednesday, 21st would equal is the end of that seven day period where when in those instances it broke that low and then markets completely fell apart. Right? Mm-hmm. Do I think that's going to happen? No, I really don't. I I, I don't see you know any catalyst that would come about to cause that to happen, but isn't that how markets occur? You know, the, the previous crisis is never going to be the next crisis, right? The time that you get a waterfall, watershed event is the time when no one's anticipating it, no one's talking about it, and no one's planning it. So the fact that someone has actually talked about it and has done it in a fashion, in a fairly, um, a fairly popular publication 
that gives me that gives me actually a much greater degree of comfort than what you might think. Sure. You know, I mean, if I would search high and low and not find anyone making any comparisons to anything like 29 or 87 or any other environment where we've experienced swift sell-offs in markets, well, frankly, Mike, that's when I would really get nervous, mm-hmm. right? But the fact that people are talking about it and the fact that they're being publicized and published in fairly popular uh, industry publications, it, it changes the tone of that, you know? So it's one of those oddities, kind of like, hey, if a tree falls in the forest and nobody's there, does it make any noise? Right. <laughs> kind of the same thing. If, if somebody thinks there's going to be a crash but nobody ever talks about it, uh, but then one person does, does that mean it won't happen? Eh. The, it, it's like a strategy, right? The more you use the strategy and the more the strategy works, the more probable it will be that it just doesn't work anymore. Yeah, it's like a new offense in football. It's like the Chip Kelly offense. It's great at first, but then people f- slowly figure out how to defend it. You know, it's the same thing. Same thing. You know, you get too many people doing the same thing in markets, which we have in spades, Mike. I mean... We have way too many people relying on the, the ease, for lack of a better word, of index investing, right? We have too many people who have become accustomed to a low volatility environment. And we think we have shifted from a bear market in volatility to a bull market in volatility. And when you get a bull market in volatility, there are trades that can happen and there are investments that work out well. But... At the same time, if you don't have a plan and aren't prepared, it can kick you in the pants really quick. So you got to be careful. And to get a plan together and contact you, how do they do that? 866-596-9886 or just shoot us an email, info at careformywealth.com. And, of course, the first meeting, just to kick the tires, is free. He is Chris Klein. I am Mike Pilch. This is Buddy Talks with Capstone Wealth Management. Talk to you in a week. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.